This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Here at Self Work, we discuss psychological and emotional issues and what you can do about them. Whether that's learning self-acceptance, taking action, or seeking therapy or treatment. Eight years ago, I extended the walls of my practice to reach those of you who are already very knowledgeable about mental health treatment, but also to those of you who might say, you'd never darken the door of a therapist. And yet, you are here. I'll answer your questions while I invite you to take a few minutes for your own self-work. When I read that, that's when I knew I needed to talk about forgiveness. To me, it sounds like her dilemma is this. How can I know my mom's backstory and keep on setting boundaries with her? If I understand and have empathy for her, given what happened to her, or might still be a struggle for her, how do I then not let down those boundaries? Welcome to this week's edition of Self Work. I've always stayed away from the topic of forgiveness here on Self Work. Why? Because the word itself means very different things to different people, especially due to their culture or religious belief. But this week, I received an email from a listener that was so poignant and was about forgiveness that I've decided to talk about it. Talk about moving ahead, whatever you want to call it. But put it in the context of relationship boundaries and the emotions that as a therapist, I've learned are important to acknowledge and work through in order to get to forgiveness. Let me say first and foremost, forgiveness isn't an emotion. It's a decision. A decision based on your beliefs, yes, but also based on information and emotional processing. And forgiveness doesn't mean returning to or trying to be okay with abuse or manipulation or chaos. It's really a fascinating topic, and I appreciate this listener for allowing us into her life in such a meaningful way. And I invite all of you to do the same by writing me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. But first, let's hear an offer in 2024 from BetterHelp. We're ending 2023 and coming into 2024, and last year was a hard year for many. 2023 held cultural uproar and violence and worldwide anxiety. So in welcoming 2024, more people than ever are recognizing that their own sense of personal direction is being affected by what's going on in the world and not in a good way. Talking about that can help you see how to cope with those anxieties while also keeping your emotional stability in check. It helps to vent and to hear yourself make connections with your strengths while admitting your struggles and getting an objective perspective. After you make the first contact, BetterHelp standard is to offer names of therapists to you in less than two days, and you can talk to them in a first session to see if it's a good fit by video, text, or chat. But if it's not a good fit, rather than going through an awkward call or email, you simply let BetterHelp know, and they'll ask what it was you didn't like and find someone else for you. I'm a therapist because I got good therapy. I know how much of a difference it can make. And here's BetterHelp's offer for self-work listeners. 10% off your first month of sessions if you use this link, betterhelp.com slash self-work. There's never a better time than now, today, to reach out and get help. Betterhelp.com slash self-work.
We're starting off the podcast today with an email from a listener who's been listening for quite some time now. She says, Hello, Dr. Margaret. First and foremost, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your incredible podcast. Thank you. I've been listening for over three years, and you've helped me grow and heal tremendously and reshape the way I approach my life and relationships with others. I will try to keep this as brief as possible. I'm a female in my late 20s, and I grew up in an enmeshed family system, but was most enmeshed with my mother. Throughout going to therapy, listening to your podcast, and reading many books, I've implemented some boundaries and understood my childhood better. However, about two years ago, I had a phone call with my mother's brother that changed everything for me. While trying to understand my relationship with my mother, I asked her brother, my uncle, about their childhood together in hopes of understanding her and their family dynamics better. He let it slip that she had a disability, and this was the first I'd heard about it. He wasn't sure what the specifics were in regard to her diagnosis or if she even had one, and their parents were both deceased, so I had no one else to ask about this. He also told me that my mother has always been in denial about it, and when he asked her if my father knows when they were about to marry, she responded with, that's in the past. I want to explain that a little bit. It's kind of a confusing sentence. Basically, it seems like the uncle talked to her mother before she got married, wondering if her soon-to-be husband knew about this quote-unquote disability, and that's when she said, oh, that's in the past. Now, going on with the email. Between my uncle's description of their childhood and my own extensive research experiences growing up with her, her behavior strongly resembles someone on the autism spectrum, but I, of course, am in no position to diagnose her or anyone. I want to understand my mom better and have a healthier relationship with her and be able to put up appropriate boundaries with her. But with this information, I feel like my approach with her may need to change. I feel like I'm stuck juggling being fair with her, but also fair to myself. I love my mom so much, and whether she has a cognitive disability or not, that will never, ever change. I don't want to betray my uncle's trust or ruin his relationship with my mom, as they are really close. I'm not even sure if my dad knows or if he'd even tell me if he knew, and they've been together over 30 years. I don't want to wreak havoc in anyone's lives, but this uncertainty about my mom is constantly in the back of my mind. My parents are great people and did the best they could, and then some, and I love them both so much. But my childhood has taught me to carry a lot of guilt in regard to the emotions of others, and I'm still learning boundaries. In short, my question is, how do I approach this topic with my mother and father, or should I even discuss this at all with them? I just want to love my mother the best I can, while also putting up a healthy space and boundaries between us, while also keeping in mind her past traumas, and she mentions a rape and three miscarriages, and now this possible disability. Thank you for all you do, and I'm okay with you sharing this on your podcast if you choose to do so. So I did. <laughs> Let's first address what this listener might be talking about when she wonders about her mom perhaps being on the autism spectrum, although this is not an episode on autism. This likely doesn't mean that some of the common behaviors associated with pure autism are noticeable, like repetitive motor or speech behaviors. However, my guess would be it's more about the symptoms of what can be termed high-functioning autism because those are seen in social behaviors. For example, difficulty understanding social norms or social rules, 
inappropriate behavior in social settings, difficulty predicting others' reactions. There's a lack of empathy towards others and difficulty making and maintaining friendships. The listener doesn't go into it, but if any of those were present, then her mom might have had difficulty socially or with true intimacy. We obviously don't know, and I don't want to get hung up there. What we do know is that whatever disability she had, and that's a quote-unquote, her brother wondered if her soon-to-be husband should know about this problem. So it wasn't something so obvious that anyone would be aware of her difficulty. Now, I'm going to bring up another point. We also know there's sexual abuse in her mom's past, a rape, in fact. So, knowing that, I'd wonder about her mom struggling with some kind of PTSD, post-traumatic stress, from a rape that definitely could have significantly affected her ability to trust or to have healthy emotional connection with others. In fact, her mom's response to the brother, that was in the past, seems to indicate that her sexual abuse was something she was trying to forget or move emotionally away from. Obviously, I don't know, but a flag went up for me. Maybe it's some sort of autistic issue, but it could also be a real struggle with connection and trust in relationships. The other thing we know is that her mom was overly bonded with this listener, her daughter, overly close. So a relationship that she could trust, her daughter, perhaps more easily, seems to have received her ultimate attention. Now, obviously, there's a lot we don't know. But I'm wondering aloud with you because we're setting the stage for this listener to try to make some decisions. Okay, there's one more term she used, enmeshment. What is enmeshment? Basically, parental enmeshment occurs when a parent bonds so tightly with a child that the child's job, quote-unquote, becomes one of confidant to the parent, someone who's supposed to make them happy to meet their emotional needs. Now, not sexual ones, emotional ones. It can be a job that feels very special initially. You're my special child. But as a child doesn't have the capacity to make a parent truly happy, it also means that the child will fail and thus need to stick around to keep trying. It's like some kind of glue with the child's life stuck onto their parents. So that's enmeshment. Now let's get back to the listener's email. She says, and I quote, I want to understand my mom better and have a healthier relationship with her and be able to put up appropriate boundaries with her. But with this information, I feel like my approach with her may need to change. I feel like I'm stuck juggling between being fair with her, but also fair to myself. When I read that, that's when I knew I needed to talk about forgiveness. To me, it sounds like her dilemma is this. How can I know my mom's backstory and keep on setting boundaries with her? If I understand and have empathy for her, given what happened to her, or might still be a struggle for her, how do I then not let down those boundaries? Maybe she can't help the way she acts. But whatever anger or frustration or hurt the listener has recognized that she felt in the past that caused her to erect those boundaries, are those feelings supposed to go away? Are the boundaries supposed to go away? Is she supposed to forgive all when that doesn't seem fair to her? Let's take a step away for a second and talk more conceptually about the steps that are inherent, that belong with and are vital to forgiveness, or at least healthy forgiveness. What is it that people say, I forgive you, but I won't forget? Now, that's often said in a menacing or angry way, 
But if you take the anger out of it, then actually it could be pretty healthy, meaning I'm not going to go back to a situation that was hurting me, but I'm going to move ahead in my relationship with you. That's exactly what we're talking about here. The listener seems to have figured out how her and her mom's enmeshment had hurt her. She was probably angry when she figured it out, confused, disappointed. She recognized that their relationship, or the way it had been at least, the way she'd grown up feeling responsible for her mom, wasn't right or healthy. Sounds like she acted on that realization not by screaming at her mom or shoving her out of her life. In fact, she says that she really loves her. But she set some boundaries, which means that she decided after getting therapy and learning more about it to distance herself appropriately from her mom, to set limits on when and how she and her mom communicated that worked better for her, that gave her her own emotional space. She doesn't say how her mother responded to that, but it seems that the listener was fairly happy about it. But then her uncle tells her more about the childhood, which I suppose wasn't good and that her mom had this disability that no one ever talked about. Now, to recap a bit, we focused earlier on the listener's idea that perhaps her mom was on the autism spectrum, and I wondered about possible consequences from sexual abuse. But whatever information there is, it's made this listener question her decision to set boundaries. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the process of forgiveness and the emotions that I believe you have to go through in order to get there, and anger or hurt or confusion, painful emotions, emotions that are hard to feel, especially when you love someone, you first have to feel those. But then we get into empathy. Emotional empathy is the ability to feel or mirror someone's emotions. Cognitive empathy is when you can visualize someone's situation and understand it on a deep level. It's not that this listener had had no empathy for her mom. She stated that she knew her mom had had some really traumatic experiences. But even more empathy was triggered when she found out that maybe her mom had been struggling more than she recognized. Maybe she hadn't forgiven her mother enough since now she understood more. Maybe she's not even being fair to her mom. As I researched what other people had to say about this issue, I came upon the work of Carla McLaren, the author of The Language of Emotions. I think one of the worst things a parent can say to a child who comes to them and says, you hurt me when you did or said X, Y, or Z, a really bad thing a parent can say is, I'm sorry, but I was doing the best I could do. You know what? Maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. I know for a fact that there were times when I knew what my best parental effort would be, and I didn't do it. I was tired. I was grumpy. I was mad, whatever, and I wasn't the best I could be. That's true of all people. Sometimes we pull out the best I can be stops, and sometimes we do not. So I want to quote Carla McLaren, hear her words about forgiveness and anger. Forgiveness is not an emotion, and it can't take the place of one. It's a decision made by your whole self after your true emotional work has been done. You can't move to forgiveness until your emotions move you consciously through the trouble because your emotions are the only thing in your psyche that can move energies, memories, and imbalances into your awareness. Your body can hold your pain, and your mind and spirit can remember your pain, but until you know how you feel about your pain, you won't be able to unearth it and address it. 
Real forgiveness isn't a polite and teary gesture made with a bowed head and demurely folded hands. Real forgiveness would never, ever say, I see that you were doing the best you knew how, and I forgive you. She goes, hell no. (laughs) Real forgiveness has an entirely different take on the subject. Real forgiveness does not make excuses for other people's improper or abusive behavior. Real forgiveness says, quote, I see that you were doing what worked for you at the time, but it never, ever worked for me. Let me say that again. Real forgiveness says, I see that you were doing what worked for you at the time, but it never, ever worked for me. Real forgiveness does not tell itself that everyone always does the best they know how because that's preposterous. As I stated, none of us do our best all the time. I really appreciated this author's candor. Forgiveness is a decision. I've worked with people whose spouses have had affairs, for example. They work through anger, even rage, hurt, wanting revenge, more hurt, disbelief, empathy, more hurt, trying to understand the affair in the context of the relationship, which leads to more empathy, then more anger, and it comes and goes like this for a while, back and forth, back and forth. That's a normal process. They'll ask me, how can I forgive? How can I trust? My answer, you can make a choice to forgive, realizing that you only have the information you have on that day. But that doesn't mean that whatever empathy has developed, whatever empathy you feel for the person who hurt you, that you want to forgive, that you just go blindly into another situation where you could get hurt. As Ms. McLaren said, real forgiveness does not make excuses for other people's improper or abusive behavior. You can work through anger, you can develop empathy, and you can forgive and keep on honoring yourself. As to this listener's question about talking with her parents about her new knowledge or piece of information, I think there's some important aspects to consider. One, she mentions, how would her uncle feel about this disclosure? So checking with him is a must. If he says no, she can ask him to talk with her parents and tell them that he told her. But she seems to believe that that wouldn't be his choice. So that's definitely something to think about. Number two is one I've said several times at Self-Work. Does this listener believe that her parents have the capability of having this conversation with her? If the answer is yes, then maybe that's a good choice. Maybe that could open a kind of communication they've never had. But if not, if that kind of emotional vulnerability isn't something that her parents know how to do, then it's likely that that conversation will not go well. As I've often said, you're not going to get ice cream at a hardware store. If either one or both of them don't have the willingness or the openness to tolerate the conversation, then it very likely isn't a good idea. And you have to grieve that that conversation is something that they cannot have. So here's the third point. If the choice is not to have the conversation, how will this listener cope? She can be kind. She can be loving. She can understand that perhaps she doesn't know some of what has affected her mom's parenting. That's likely true for all of us. But not being fair to herself isn't the long-term answer, in my opinion. Perhaps short-term, if that's her choice, but not long-term. Working through anger and hurt is necessary to develop empathy for someone who has hurt you. The listener seems to have done that. 
But now she knows something that has made her question whether or not she's being empathic enough. I get it. I really do. And especially if it's been her job to make her mom happy, then that extra empathy might cause her to re-enlist for that job. If she does or she doesn't, she'll learn something, whatever choice she makes. But I'd like her to consider whether her empathy is coming from a place of health or a place of re-enlisting for a job that isn't fair to her or her family. If the former, then adjusting some of the boundaries may work for her. But if it's the second, then I'd have her consider carefully the consequences to the freedom she's found. There's one more point I'd like to make, and I found it in John Summers Flanagan's work. The link is included in the show notes. He reminds us that not forgiving has negative effects on the person who can't forgive, not necessarily the other way around. Bitterness mainly hurts the one that carries it. Something for all of us to consider as you work through anger and hurt, reach some kind of empathy, and make the decision to forgive. Again, my gratitude to this listener for writing in her wonderful question and sharing her life with us. Thank you, as always, for being here at Self Work. Some of you, like this listener, may have been listening for two or three years. I am just blown away by that and so very honored. You know, I love doing this podcast, and I love hearing from you. So write a review, especially on Amazon. Give me a rating. Write me at AskDrMartRutherford.com. I'd love, love, love to hear from you. I've got several talks coming up, one with the Honors College students about perfectly hidden depression, one with some other healthcare workers, one with a bunch of marketing people that are really extremely stressed. If I can maybe talk with your group, your organization, your work colleagues, I would love to do that. And you can write me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com or contact me via the website contact tab. We're going to have some exciting things next week to tell you about. I will say that I have a little book. Christine Mathias and I put it together several years ago. It's called Marriage is Not for Chickens. And you've got Valentine's Day coming up this next week. And you might just like to order it. It is a wonderful little gift book to give someone that you've loved for many, many years. Because it's a testimonial to the value of marriage. It's called Marriage is Not for Chickens. Takes you about two minutes to read it. But when I put it on HuffPost, it literally garnered 200,000 likes and 50,000 shares. So Christine is a wonderful photographer. We put it together now seven or eight years ago, and I'd love for you to get a copy. Thank you again, as always, for being here. Please take care of yourself, your family, and those you love, as well as your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.